0: Welcome to Tag Talk's Happy Hour with Ajit Kara. One part small talk, all parts real talk. This is the part of the day when Ajit gets to know the people behind the job titles at Tag.
1: Hello, my name's Ajit Kara. I'm the CEO of Tag America's and welcome to my Happy Hour podcast. I decided to do this podcast because most of my folks know that I believe that TAG has the best people in the world, and one of our biggest assets is those people. And so I want to do a series of podcasts to talk to the folks and understand what's inside their heads, where their backgrounds are, what makes them tick, and just have some fun with them. I'd like to welcome Dan Kanaki, Director of Sourcing Operations. Dan, welcome to Agit's Happy Hour.
0: Thank you for having me, Adjet. Cheers.
1: First, you've got to try the wine.
0: Okay. Very refreshing. Is that nice?
1: Yeah, it is. It's a little bit dangerous drinking at 11 o'clock in the morning, as this is. It is. Isn't it it <laughs> is,
0: but it is Thursday. And That's we do true. have our Thirsty Thursday here. We do so. have our Thirsty Thursday. Yes. So. We're just building a foundation for later.
1: <laughs> so, thank you again, Dan, for doing this. Mm-hmm. So tell me a bit more about where did you grow up? We've had a lot of international folks on the call so far on the podcast.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so I actually grew up in Queens, New York, but my family is from Serbia. Ah. And I have two older sisters, 10, and 11 years older, so I'm officially the blessing, as we like to call myself sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, so I was first born here in the States, and I was born in Queens, New York, Elmhurst, Queens. Lived in Jackson Heights, Ridgewood, Glendale,
1: yeah. I'm Indian as you know, isn't that where all the Indian shops are?
0: I was five years old when I was last there, (laughs) but there has been a lot of transition in a lot of the neighborhoods in Queens, as I'm sure everyone knows, but there was a big Indian influence there at one point, I don't know if it still is or not.
1: I think we went there to get some wedding saris for my daughters at some point, not that they got married, but when they were going to, so there's a huge selection there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you been back to Serbia?
0: I have been twice. I was there once when I was seven years old, and I went with my sister, who at that point was 17, if you do the math, and we were by ourselves, and it was the first time flying on a plane, and we just had a little bit of conversation today earlier about pilots and riding in planes. Because you kind of looked like a pilot today. You got your your hat on, your glasses. You did look like a pilot. Yeah, I wanted to be comfortable today, and comfortable clearly means I look like a pilot, (laughs) but it was... And typically in a traditional Serbian family, I would say, children get sent off to the old country for, you know, three, four, five, six weeks. And that was my first experience there. And a quick story, again, petrified of flying. Because it was a long way as well. It was about six hours. And I get there and, you know, where the family from the Americas and big deal. You know, my dad's town is a very poor village town. Outhouses and everything. So a seven-year-old never experienced this before. And they're like, hey, you know, what do you want to eat? I'm like, what do you want? And we stayed with my aunt. And I was like, well, we just got here. I'm hungry. You know, like, want some eggs? See, yeah, you're like, a big guy as well. Yeah. All <laughs> right, go to the chicken, I guess, farm or the area and pick up some eggs and I'll make them for you. Wow. And, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. But it was later on when dinner came about and do you want some chicken was offered. <laughs> and I said <laughs> yes. And I saw the result of oh, that. Needless to say, for three to four weeks, I was eating cake. So, I, and uh, you learn where food comes from. You do quickly, yeah. rather quickly, and shockingly.
1: Yeah. Do you get a sense when you travel back to places where your family clearly mm-hmm. came from? There's a level of pride that you have when you are in America and that we're very blessed and privileged to be here. I mean, how did you feel when you go back, and did people treat you slightly differently because you're the
0: American-born kind of guy? 100%. There's almost like a royalty-like yeah. aspect to coming back home, and especially depending on what your region is, right? Yeah. Again, my family came from a poor village, but what you understand, or you don't understand quite, when you get there, you understand that they don't realize that they're living in poor circumstances. That's their life and they live off of their land, and they don't see it as being poor. We, on this side, are like, wow, we have to go to an outhouse. We have to do this. And and it's just a different perspective, and it gives you a different perspective on how fortunate you really are to live in this wonderful country. So I'm going to come back to that perspective in a moment,
1: but I can relate to that because when I go back to my mother's village in India, Mm -hmm. very similar to you, and they don't have very much, but Mm -hmm. my observation, I don't know if you saw this as well, they may not have very much, but they appear to be a lot happier. The family unit is actually quite important.
0: 100%. We went probably 10 years ago now, yeah. sort of a family trip.
1: With your two children?
0: No, my two children weren't born, but I went with my wife. And my wife, part of her family's from Croatia, and, you know, oh, well. there was a whole big Serbian-Croatian thing. But what was wonderful is we got to experience where our family came from on both sides, and it was truly wonderful.
1: Do you think this kind of background, back to my point, is because you're one of the folks in the team Mm -hmm. that always stands up for right. And I know that your two children are very important to you. The family value is Mm -hmm. critical. So it's plastered everywhere in what you're doing, Mm -hmm. how you're bringing them up and what you're doing. Do you think that's had some impact on you around the values that you hold?
0: It definitely does. And I totally lost track of what I was trying to say before, and I'll get back to it. But what we saw on our last day on our trip, we were in the area that was most poor, yeah and we had such a great time because it was just love. it was just pure love and simple things, right? Yeah. it was pure love. and that's what we're trying to my wife and I we're trying to instill that in our kids. and then you know times today are very challenging and sure. Each generation has its own challenges, but it seems like sometimes that gets lost and we try as much as we can to instill that in our kids. And you're right, family's everything.
1: We do a great job like when we have our thirsty Thursdays and if someone's slightly going away with too much, you're always the guy that makes sure they get home and uh, (laughs) yeah, they do the good stuff. But moving the um, questions around, Mm -hmm. what did you study at school stroke college?
0: Uh, Well, I never attended college. I never got a chance to. There's a lot of Internal circumstances that dictated that. However, I was fortunate enough for my uncle to bring me on into the print trade.
1: Oh, is that what
0: great trade? It is. It was better years ago, but it's evolving, I'll say yeah. that. And it kind of opened me up to this wonderful industry that we're all part of right. at its infancy. So I really focused on working at a print shop at 16, 17. Did
1: you ever see, because I started in print as well. And in the UK, they had that horrible passing out ceremony that when you passed your qualifications or whatever, you were tied to some big bins, and they would throw paint over you. I think those things are illegal
0: now. I also think that's very (laughs) (laughs) region-specific. So you've never been doused in paint? I've never been doused in paint. In ink. In in ink. ink, But the ceremony that we have here is when you start working on a press, there's an ink called Warm Red and what you do is the pressman says put in some warm red in the fountain and you do it and he goes don't touch it it's warm and you question it of course and then when you go to touch it it slam your hand in the ink and that's the ceremonies we had here in the state
1: i'm astounded at you know i know it's become much more automated and computerized Mm -hmm. these days but i remember the old pantone color books and the fact that when you were running printing presses it was a work of art like you had to mix the inks yeah.
0: to the Pantone thing. 100%, and that's how I grew up, and now everything's automated and computerized, but I started working when you didn't even have consoles. You had keys that you had to open or close in order to have the proper ink coverage on that particular image. So yeah, technology is beautiful. We benefit from it every day, yeah. and that's definitely no different in a print industry.
1: I also noticed on calls that you have... Probably more eyewear than Elton John. Yeah, and colorful
0: eyewear would be my view as well. Yes, so I'm not responsible where that, enough to, Where does that come from? So those are all reading glasses. <laughs> and the reason for it is I'm not responsible enough to have expensive glasses because I've had two in my life and they've broken within a week each time. So now in our new age of virtual meetings, yeah, I like to think that I'm a fashionable guy. You are? And really... The only thing I have to offer now are the glasses yeah. when I'm on a call or a virtual call. So that's why I try to dress it up. And I look
1: forward to it. I look for what color glasses is he going to wear today? My personal favorite is the deep white glasses.
0: Those are good. I actually had a friend of mine had a white out 40th birthday party and I had a white hat, white glasses, white suit. It was that's quite where, the scene. <laughs> is that where you met the man? Oh, Jay Z. Jay Z. No. That was early on in my courtship of my wife (laughs) there was a party at the Forty Forty club which jay-z owns wow and uh we had friends that rented out a a suite which is you know it's probably like a hundred thousand dollars a night it's ridiculous and celebrities walking all over the place and i stole a hat from the table liberated yeah liberated a hat from the table that was just sitting there looking to be swiped (laughs) and i put it on my head and it was from the fashion line that was hosting that party Jay-Z's fashion line. No, no, no. it was of uh, my friend's oh, fashion line, right? So he had it there and music stops and all of a sudden Jay-Z's music starts playing and he starts walking up and we're like, who is that? And he walks by and he sees the hat and he comes and he gives me a hug and he leaves. He could be bothered with me. But from there, all the hostesses started running up and like, do you need bottle service? <laughs> no. So they clearly confused me for somebody else. Some celebrity. Well, yeah, but we benefited from it. I think you nearly became a celebrity,
1: didn't you? Like, let's be honest, you are a sporting prize. Talk to me about your baseball
0: aspirations and what well, happened. I had aspirations, it, And the problem with that is you need some foundational pieces in order to be able to move on. Your talent's talent but you need to be surrounded with other things in order for you to move on to bigger and better things. And unfortunately, I was not surrounded with that foundational base, but the talent was there. And when I was 17 years old, I was throwing 95 miles an So you're a your pitcher then? I was a pitcher. Are you impressed that I know what a pitcher actually is? I am. The fact that you added the E-R instead <laughs> of just saying pitch <laughs> is impressive. So you're the pitcher? So I was a pitcher and, you know, I continued to play, but one of my highlights was just walking on to playing when I was 28 years old, still holding on to the good old days. And I have and need surgery on my elbow and shoulder, and it's a mess. Every three or four years, I wouldn't play and i would build back up again. But
1: didn't you play at a high standard for a short while?
0: So I played single A and it was in Maryland. And the problem was I had my first outing, I gave him my all. Yeah, yeah. to get signed, right? And it was a walk-on, and I got signed. And my first appearance was in relief, and uh, I threw out my arm. Oh, my God. <laughs> first eight pitches. So I never got anybody out, yeah. and my arm was just drooping down. So was that because you were trying to hold? It's just because my arm was shot. It still is. I'm still very proud. I could throw a football 50 yards, wow. which is pretty impressive still at my age. But it was me holding on to that little last grasp, yeah. and uh, it didn't work out. But, you know, like I could say I played single-A ball, I made the team, and I was at age 28. And had I been more focused and had that foundational piece around me when I was 18, 19, 20. And are
1: you a pushy dad? Are your kids learning this from the sidelines? Oh, I coach. <laughs> uh, I
0: what I do is I encourage. <laughs> I encourage not quitting. <laughs> so if you commit to something yeah, yeah. in life in general, use sports as life lessons you don't quit on something no, it's a team it's a team you can't let down your team you're there you know you have to try sometimes i go overboard and sometimes i try to hold back it's, it's really it's learning that balance and you know that's kind of being a parent is trying to find that balance
1: your team spirit comes through all the time what have you done in your life that's genuinely scared you apart from
0: flying oh apart from flying honestly what i feared and still fear my biggest fear is roller coasters that's funny and it's because of a lack of control that i have right if you put me on a roller coaster that goes fast i'm okay with it once it starts going up and around and so i had one instance where i did go on uh, you know trying to teach my son you have to try things so i decided i was going to try things and this is before we had kids and before i met my wife but i tried a roller coaster and that's funny. Similar to what you said, I only went once. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it took.
1: Well, I think your friend and I had one flying
0: lesson. Yeah. That's the clue. I only had yeah, one exactly. flying there lesson. exactly. There you go. That's the clue. Ask, as it, anything.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a fascinating conversation. Mm-hmm. So, this is the time when I say, Have you got any questions for me?
0: Um, I do. Uh, and I'm not going to make it a five or six-parter. I know you're very in tune with pop culture. Oh my god. Current and past. What? And I know you are very interested in music and TV and movies and non-American sports. So my question to you is, if you had the opportunity to be at the top of any of those three, sports, movie, entertainer, or music, what would it be and why interesting that's a tough question
1: i'm going to go for musician and the reason why is because i have literally no talent i can't sing i can't play a musical instrument unlike kaylee here who's very talented she yes. can play the piano and sing and do mm-hmm. it beautifully i have no talent whatsoever but i love music especially the more older music like mm-hmm. yeah, motown temptations i love all of that and in my head and in the shower when I do sing. In my head it's great, but I know it's not. So to be able to stand with some talent Mm -hmm. would be a life ambition that I know I could never achieve. So for that alone I'd love to be able to do that.
0: Edge, I think you should sing a few bars (laughs) of anything, your favourite Temptations song. uh, Come on, uh, come on.
1: uh, I'm never, never, ever going to embarrass myself to that extent. (laughs) When we do karaoke nights, I'm the guy by the bar, buying the drinks. I refuse to engage. So,
0: you have never engaged in karaoke?
1: I've never engaged in karaoke, and I won't. I really
0: find that hard to believe, actually. True. And I'll tell you something. You say you have no talent, but your voice in this setting is very soothing. Oh, I, don't, well, it, I like it. It could a lot. be the accent. I don't know, but. Um, <laughs> or the wine. Or the wine. Well, yeah, it is 11 o'clock, right? <laughs> um, however, there's a certain soothing quality to how you're delivering your questions and you might have a future in podcast. Maybe there. I should do a reading series books of where I put people to sleep. That could be more It would be idea. children's stories because they would only have to be five or six pages.
1: Well exactly and I only like children's stories as well. <laughs> Big font. Dan, I would just like to thank you again mm-hmm. and to say people like you, with your sporting background that puts teams first, your background of being very humble, and I think you are, and the wonderful contribution that you provide tag Makes you an amazing person. So thank you so much for everything you do. Wonderful to get to know you a bit more today and enjoy the rest of this wine. Cheers.
0: Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. And I look forward to the rest of your podcasts. Join us soon for another episode of Tag Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara and learn more about the people behind the job titles at Tag.